Welcome to the Deepwater Podcast. I'm Dave Mercer. I'm James Judd. And our goal on this podcast is to learn to make disciples the way Jesus made disciples. Yes, sir. Welcome to another episode of the Deepwater Podcast. Today, we wanted to take another practical look at something that you have to do to disciple somebody, and that's ask them. It's a little bit like if you want to date a girl or want to get married somewhere, you have to ask them. There's a commitment required. So today, we just wanted to talk a little bit about how do you go about inviting someone to disciple you, maybe how not to go about inviting someone to be discipled by you. So what do you think, Dave? Um, I thought we would start with Jesus. How do you? How did Jesus invite people to follow him or to be discipled by him, to be his disciples? You know, the first thing that comes to mind is uh, Matthew. Uh, <laughs> what, when was, what was that? A fire truck just went by. <laughs> um, so when Jesus saw Matthew sitting at the tax collector's table, he just said, follow me and... Uh, I guess the way we understand the story, to the best of our knowledge, Matthew followed him either with intention just leaving his post for a bit or his home forever, but either way, he followed him, and that was that was the start. Yeah. Yeah, with Jesus, it seems like every time I can think of, he's like, hey, follow me, and people are like, yep, I'm in. Well, that's not true, because yeah. some of them said, oh, let me go bury my dad first, or let me go say goodbye to my family or whatever. But for the most part, with his at least 12 disciples, for all the records we have, he just said, hey, come follow me. Yeah. So we can't we can't exactly, well, we can sort of do that, but sort of not. Ultimately, I think one of the key things is that we're not trying to make disciples of ourselves. So it's not like follow me because they're not trying to become us. Yeah. But more like, more like Paul said, maybe follow me as I follow Christ. So it's like, I'm following Christ. You're following Christ. Like, let me help you. Let me help you along the way. Let me invest in you. And I think that's the key. Most part, it's a method of, not the method, the motivation or the attitude behind which you approach somebody. Yeah. I think if you come across, eh, arrogant or I'm better than you or this is about me or any of those things, then naturally people are going to be a little bit less inclined to want to follow you as you follow Christ. Yeah. Definitely. Um, just speaking kind of from my own experiences back in college, um, as somebody would come across my path, well, just, yeah, first of all, I was, being discipled, yeah. being mentored by somebody then. Hey, and so and how, as I, how did how did that come about? Like, how did they? Oh, okay, good question. Well, uh, I had heard this individual's name before, so we were introduced by a mutual friend. And, and the first week into college at a volleyball game, and hey, um, you know, my name's Wick. Oh, my name's Dave. Hey, we should get together. Hey, that sounds cool. Um, and it was probably maybe on some social level, but it really wasn't too long. It was kind of right off from the bat that uh, 
I remember Wick asked me like, Hey, what are you doing at, you know, six thirty in the morning? <laughs> Let's meet and start reading, um, from the gospel of John. Hmm. So we would just meet before each of our respective days got started, read from the gospel of John and talk about it. So we were, it, um, now he didn't ask, like, I want to, you know, disciple you. I want you to commit to some program or I want you to make a commitment to me. Just, he said, do you want to start getting together? And, uh, I guess for about the next four or five years, we just never quit getting together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did y'all ever, cause I know some people do and some people don't. Did you guys ever quantify or more specify? Did you ever, I keep thinking of the analogy of dating, but did you ever define the relationship? Yeah. Yeah. There was a point where, I don't know, know that it was uh, – I honestly don't remember if there was a conversation. But I, I, what I really remember is just after so long of him mentoring me that who he was to me. He was my kind of spiritual mentor, uh, my big brother in the faith, um, not just in the sense that I, I, I had other ones. But he was unique and that there was nobody else who was, you know, so focused and putting forth so much planned intentional effort to help me become more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there was some point when I said, yeah, this is wick. He helps me be a disciple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you knew within a fair amount of time, whether you knew you were being discipled. Yes. Oh yeah. It, it wasn't kind of, I think. Yeah, for one, Wick was uh, enough older than me, especially back then. Our age difference was more significant than it is now. Like, I was a freshman. He was a grad student. So, like, in, you could almost say that in all respects of life, he was ahead of me. Mm-hmm. So, it already kind of set up, up our relationship for the student and the teacher, the big brother, the little brother. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say it wasn't too long before it was pretty clear that you know, of course, there were things I did to encourage him, but but he the reason we met was for him to give something he had to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it was a great relationship. Yeah, yeah. Now, what about on the flip side? Because you started, you were going to talk about some in your own experiences, and then I wanted to ask you about your own. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So there were several uh, guys that. I met with either one time or for maybe you could say even years. And some of them were older than me. Some of them were peers. Some were younger. I guess to get to one aspect of that, which I I feel like a lot of our listeners are going to go through the same experience. So we might as well go ahead and address it. I feel like there'll be some fear, or at least I had some fear from like an ego thing that I was going to offend somebody if I said, hey, can I meet with you to help you become a better follower of Jesus? I would sit down with someone and I would always think, I would always be afraid of two things. One, okay, today's the day they're going to figure out what a giant fake I am. Or they're going to figure out that I'm not perfect or that I have, you know, sin in my life or or today's the day that they're going to be offended that I even would would think of asking him if they want to be helped by me. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, if, if you have a legitimate issue in your life, like maybe some sin or an issue to deal with uh, before you start helping someone, 
that's kind of between you and the Lord and maybe those who know you really well who can give you advice. But but both of those are fears, which I would say, barring what I just said, it's time to lay that fear aside and say, you know what? I know this much about Jesus. I know this much about who he is. These are the experiences he's taken me on in my journey. These are the tools I use to get closer to him. And they are invaluable. And if there's somebody out there that could even learn one thing from me, then I have something to offer them. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to be anybody's spiritual multivitamin, but I'm a hand and the foot may need me, or I'm an arm and the leg may need me in the body of Christ. You if you're in Christ, you have something to give. You have Christ living in you. So I think first, get rid of your fear that you don't have anything to offer. If you are in Christ, you have something to offer. Mm-hmm. Second, get over your fear that you're going to offend someone like, oh, how dare you ask to help me? Well, if the person has an ego problem, that's kind of their issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, it's just, you know, the worst case scenario, they say no thanks and you go, hey, that's great. Have a, you know, God bless you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a couple guys turn me down. They didn't really want my help and that was fine. It freed me up to help someone else that did want it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And ultimately, I mean, it's like Jesus. He offered a couple of people, come follow me. And they said no for various and sundry reasons. The rich young ruler. You know, Jesus said, sell everything, come follow me. And he, you know, went away sad. So sometimes that happens, that people will turn you down. Something uh, when I was doing the discipleship training at the Ute camp meeting the other day, one of the guys came up to me afterwards and he was saying, he's like, I thought about adding this in and I wish he would have. But he was basically saying, like, if you've been praying about discipling someone and the Lord has laid this name on your heart, there's a real good chance that that person has also been praying for somebody to come and disciple them, you know, Mm. so that's kind of a mutual thing. And and if, when we hit it right, you know, God's working on both people's, both people's hearts and it's a a real natural fit. Yeah, because he, you know, he's all the while in the midst of his people. I'll harken back to what I was saying earlier. When I first got to college, I was kind of a little nervous about the idea of Wick mentoring me, but I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, it was totally God's provision Mm -hmm. that Wick was there at that time in my life. And even though I wouldn't have sought it out, I desperately needed someone like him to help me through that time of life. So, yeah. 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 So when you would, when you would invite guys to, get into a discipling relationship with you, what would you, how would you usually approach that? Well, let's see. Uh, there was one time, actually, I'll share this. This is a guy who just uh, ended up becoming a missionary and has just published, I think, his second book on following Christ. But I remember sitting down with him once and saying, can I disciple you? And he was basically like, no, uh, you know, I'm, I don't need that. Or I'm, I'm already doing something else. All right. Uh, other times I just like to share that cause it's fun to see where he's now and Hey, I can't believe it. God didn't need me to save the world. He, <laughs> he had other ways of helping people. Yeah, He did it with somebody. Else. So exactly. So if someone I'm, I'm, I'm trying to not answer your question here. Uh, if someone says no, just remember that this isn't about our egos. This is about God getting his work done and 
Uh-huh. Okay, but to answer your question, uh, there was one guy who I would say that probably the two out of four guys, they were the two that I had the most success, like it paid off the most dividends to disciple them, at least in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them, his sister was in our, our group, and I met him through his sister. And I think I said, do you want to go grab some coffee? And then he brought along a friend to a conference we were at, and I kind of did the same thing. Do you want to go grab coffee? And probably sat down and asked him, like, hey, would you like to go through this? And shit. Times reading the Bible been going. And that, that was probably just about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, let me answer one more way. There were other times that my mentor, Wick, he would see a guy who needed help. And he would think to himself, huh, I just already taught David how to do this. Let me get David together with this guy and see if they want to meet. And that was how a good friend of mine, Cody Mullins, and I started meeting was Wick. Um, I had no context to even know who Cody was. But Wick said, come to my house. I want you to meet this guy. We met at Wick's house. Cody, Dave, Dave, Cody. Hey, Cody just moved to town. He wants to grow in the Lord. Do you think you'd meet with him and teach him some of the things I taught you? Yep. Man, that was a really sweet deal where everything I taught Cody, man, he passed on to a bunch of other guys and they passed it on. And I'm not bragging because it was just, I was just getting caught up in something the Lord was doing. So to answer your question, um, there were times when I both engaged with someone to say, hey, do you want to do you want to work on some things? And there were times that the guy who was mentoring me would help connect me with a guy uh, so I could pass on the things he had taught me. Yeah, I think I want to come back to the first idea for a second. But the second one where like Wick is setting you up with somebody, I think that's actually a really fundamental thing and often very necessary as we disciple somebody and we want to get them into discipling. Some of them may naturally make these connections, but some of them need a little bit of help. And what they need is is sometimes that setup and sometimes they need it modeled or to go and disciple somebody together with them. Like, I don't know if Wick ever did it where he was like, they're with you watching you disciple Cody or not. But you know, that we sometimes we need some hands on, you know, we've received it, but now let's let's have somebody watch us while we do it, you know, give us some more feedback and kind of almost like a, a training wheels idea. Yeah. And then slowly the wheels come off and you're you're ready to ride your bike and not fall down. That's awesome. Exactly. The first one going back to the idea of just getting coffee. So what it sounds like is you're basically saying, like, hey, let's have a friendship. You know, why don't we start with a cup of coffee? And then yeah. when you go have coffee with them, would you like show up with your Bible or were they pretty well aware of that? Or would you just show up with some great questions? And then, you know, like, how did you follow up on that? Well, I'm going to give you two answers to, to first directly answer your question. The group I was part of used a series called Lessons on Assurance. And it was lesson on, you know, how can we be assured that we belong to Jesus? How can we be assured he'll answer prayer? How can we be assured we'll have victory over sin? Uh, How can we be assured he'll forgive our sins? And finally, assurance that he would give us guidance in life. Mm -hmm. And the books just kept going on and on. And 
probably what I said was something like, hey, let's get together and we can you know, share what we've been reading. We can go through this book. If I could, would this be a good time? I'd like to share a couple pitfalls that I had in doing that. Sure. Okay. One, every time I would meet with those guys, I would think to myself, oh, no. Dang it. I hate this time of the week. I hate meeting with this guy. Not because I hated that person, but I, once again, I was just afraid that today would be the day they would reject me or they would see that I was, you know, not was a fake or whatever. Just kind of afraid to to be known and to share who I was with them. And so I would just say, if, if you're going to meet with someone, don't be afraid of your own flaws. Don't be afraid that you don't have anything to offer. Don't try to put old English on yourself and <laughs> polish yourself. Just Just be who you are. Yeah. Don't try to pull out a bunch of Greek all of a sudden and impress them. So the worst case scenario is that person comes to you and says, you know, I think, I don't think you're the right person to help me. You seem to have a lot of problems. <laughs> You've got issues. I, I feel weird. When <laughs> it's like, well, hallelujah. At least now you can say that some Christian in your life has modeled what it looks like to be transparent about their struggles and failures. Uh-huh. So, one, we can't be afraid of rejection. Jesus lived life with, I think, with, even if, I think he may even have been afraid of rejection, but he didn't let that fear consume him. He marched on. But the second thing is I was always afraid that the things I would try to talk about with guys would be too elementary, like, let's talk about how to pray. Let's talk about how to read our Bibles. Let's talk about lessons on assurance of answered prayer. Because they had heard this stuff all their life. But what I didn't understand at the time was unless those qualities are not only known about, but are being lived out, and that guy is experiencing those, unless I'm experiencing them, our knowledge really doesn't do us a lot of good. So don't be afraid when you sit down with someone, don't feel like, well, I realize that you have lots of Bible knowledge and I don't want to insult you. So I, uh, we're going to look at this verse in Hebrew. Because I need to, you know, make you feel like this is important. No, it's start at the beginning and just a lot of times, I hate to say it, we know more than we do and we know more than we yeah. experience. So was it, I think Martin Luther was it who said, would preach the same sermon every week and his parishioners would be like, why do you preach the gospel every week? And Martin Luther's answer was, well, when you start believing it, I'll move on to something else. <laughs> yeah. so i think it's not about just the impartation of knowledge it's about the it's about right. hey yeah come on we both know we got a head full of bible knowledge but i think we would both admit we're both having trouble living this out and experiencing it let's go on that journey together yeah yeah and that's a much better journey than like let me cram your head full of knowledge or let me add additional knowledge that you're not obeying yeah and I think it includes, well, let, let's model it. Okay, we all know we need to pray more. Let's go pray together. And I'll probably learn as much from praying with you as I will from hearing you teach me about prayer. Yeah, and then let's, let's and yeah, go ahead. You. Let's write down our prayers in a journal and then actually sit and watch, sit by the calendar and wait for God to answer. Mm-hmm. And let's, let's yeah. see this thing through. Yeah, that was something I remember from your your interview with Kirk that I really liked. You know, he'd write it in his journal. And then if you do that together with a guy, 
you know, you can both rejoice as God answers prayers for both of you. Yes. I think the other pitfall we fall into, there's a million pitfalls we fall into. One of the other big pitfalls is we just don't ask and we don't get started. And that's the biggest pitfall of all. Because as you said, like we're all messed up. We all fall down and it's okay to mess up and it's okay to not know something and it's okay to learn something from somebody you're you're discipling like it's okay if you're trying to teach him on prayer and you you realize like man this guy especially if you're discipling somebody that's already you know already along in their christian walk some i find man this guy knows more about this than me well i'll stop and let's just switch switch places for a minute i'm going to learn from you and that's modeling humility it's modeling transparency and that gets you a long, long ways. Yeah. James, if I could piggyback on that, that was another thing. Is I, I feel like when I was uh, back in those days, it was very important for me. Like, hey, I need this person to acknowledge me as the leader. And if they don't, mm-hmm. I feel insecure. I feel threatened. Like I, I need them to approve of me as the leader for me to be the leader well, and and I really like what you said about you know learn from each other, and it's not that you know they're if if you're meeting with someone who is further along in the faith, chances are they are going to be the teacher a lot of the time, but it's there's no struggle. This isn't the world. This is God's kingdom, you know, just like. In the Trinity, the Holy Spirit isn't jealous that he's not the son. Uh, the father's not jealous that Jesus has the spotlight on him. Uh, Jesus isn't jealous of the spirit. You know, they're, and I think that's the kind of unity God's bringing us into where this, this isn't like some company or some worldly secular organization. This is God's kingdom. And, you know, if, there's, if you have something to teach, that's great. But if, if there's something you can learn from someone, become the student. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I feel like one of the things that I see a lot is there's a number of people who are, they're mature believers, but they just don't understand how to disciple somebody. And so what you're doing with them a lot of times is saying like, hey, let me teach you how to disciple somebody else. And so there's all kinds of areas in in life that you can learn from them. And you don't have to have this pressure that you're going to like teach them everything, but just modeling. Well, this is what it looks like to disciple somebody else. And just disciple them with them. I feel like when you when you make the invitation, the invitation needs to, it can look a couple of ways, but it needs to include several different things. And it doesn't have to all happen the same time. You know, like one, I think the, the invitation has to include the Bible or, or yeah, really the Bible's best, but it could be a curriculum. Some, some study about a certain aspect of the Bible is okay as well. But like something we're going to go to God's Word and grow in together. And it's absolutely true that you're both going to grow. Like if you're studying the Bible with somebody and you think, if you're studying the Bible together with somebody and you think like, oh, it's okay that I don't get anything because he's getting it. I don't think you're really studying the Bible because it's the Bible's living and active and a two-edged sword. And so if you're not, if you're not experiencing some intake as well, maybe you need to check yourself as well. I mean, even, even sometimes I read a Bible story to my daughters, like if I'm really thinking about it, and and thinking about what's happening in the story, like God speaks stuff to me while I'm teaching my little two, five, and six-year-old girls. 
So like the Bible has to be a part of it. Second thing, it has to be a part of it. It's an invitation to a relationship, to a deeper friendship. It's not, hey, come sit in a class with me, but it's like, hey, let's go get a cup of coffee. We're going to know one another. We're going to be friends with one another. And then I think the last thing it needs to include is something along the lines of like, I would like to help you grow. I would like to coach you. I would like to encourage you. And, you know, you can say it a whole bunch of different ways. You can do it in a, in different ways. I think you can come in and just say, you know, hey, let's go get a cup of coffee. And then you can broach it further from there. You can, and it might be two or three cups of coffee, depending on the person. You can come in and just say, hey, you know, would you like to study the Bible together with me? Uh, one of my good friends overseas had another expat that lived overseas. He had had a, a guy that was on his team that just said, hey, why don't we study the Bible together? And really that guy was discipling him, but he didn't ever say like, hey, let me let me disciple you. They just studied the Bible together and he shared his life and they lived close to one another. And, you know, he wound up being discipled. Yeah. Yeah, so I think when whenever you're trying to invite somebody in. I think a lot of times you have to customize that according to the relationship. And I think you want to come again from like a place of investment. And one guy I was talking with recently, you know, he's enjoys sports, been involved in it all his life. And so I kind of came from a perspective of like, how would you like some spiritual coaching? And I, you know, I picked that up from Dan McNaughton and coaching's kind of become this new Nah, it's more in vogue these days. But he was saying, I, he came to it from a, a perspective of like, this is what a, a, a non-believer or a young Christian would understand. Like, I would like to help you learn to play the spiritual game or fight the spiritual battle might be a better analogy. Like, let me let me help you along the way. And so you start meeting and kind of going. Another guy has already been... You know, he's been following the Lord pretty faithfully for several years and is doing really good and is involved in some other people's life. And so for him, I just kind of cast a vision. And this was after something, you know, been praying for quite a while. God, you know, I'd, I'd really like to disciple somebody who's out there. You know, you think about different people. And then one day I kind of just, it all clicked together. It's like, oh, this is what would really help this guy. And I could, I think I can see where he'll have a lot of impact and so I, I kind of basically, we talked about what he does. And I was like, you know, like, this is what's happening. And what these people that you're influencing, what they really need is to, you know, be discipled. And so what I'd like to offer you is like, I'll do that with you just to model it for you so that you know how to do it with them. And he's an older man and he was, he was, uh, he thought it was really exciting, looking forward to it. And I am too. And again, I think there's some things that I'll probably learn from him along the way. Um, but definitely some things I can help just push him on a little further. And I think he'll have a dramatic effect. I think it'll really, really, uh, I think it will exponentially increase the influence he's having on the men that are around him. So I'm excited about it. And uh, I think it's, you know, there's some investment, there's some Bible, and there's some relationship. And somehow every invitation to make a disciple has to include those. Mm. And again, I think the beauty of making disciples of Christ is that we don't have to have it all together. And so I go back to what you say, because especially in America, or at least me, 
you two, I know, we don't want to be like, let me come in, I'm above you, and I will disciple you. You will be my disciple. Well, no, we're not, they're not our disciples. We are discipling them to follow Christ better. And we have the help of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of it, you know, just finding out, man, what's God, what's God working on in your life? Well, let's pray about it together. Yeah. And then pointing them towards a, well, here's some scriptures that talk about that. Why don't you read that and see what God says to you? Or let's read that together, study it together. And that's going to have a huge influence on anyone's life, even if you didn't have anyone around you and you just needed to practice. And you pulled a friend that was alongside you and said, hey, let's do this together. Let's let's try this together. I think you'd see yourselves both starting to grow. And as you're growing, people want to know what's going on and they would like to grow as well. And I think it just, I think the more you do it, the more it helps and the more it makes it easier. And I think if you do it long enough, there gets to be a reputation and, you know, you may change how you approach it or you may just more specifically say, hey, listen, I'd like to disciple you, you know, and, and you're more cut, cut to the chase with it. Yeah. Anyway, I think those are the those are the things I can think about in terms of inviting someone into a discipling relationship. And I know, just to throw this out, I know some other people. I know people who will, like, sign a contract. I know a guy who he'll meet two or three times together with them, kind of both let let them both fill out the relationship. And then he'll say, like, you know, like, if we're going to do it, this is this is what I do. And, like, he for him, he makes them a commitment for life. That I will always, and as long as I'm alive and you're alive, like I'm always here in this mentor relationship for you. And he, he told me that you know he'll he'll meet with them weekly for quite a while. And you know there comes a point in time maturity where, or they move away to somewhere else. You know he said, but I'll still call them once a month. You know I like, can still keeping up in their life. And then, I know other people that don't want something quite as formal, and they'll do something for a time or or just more relational, almost more like Wick, like just picks you up and and nothing's ever specifically been defined, but both people know what's going on. And I think either's okay. Yeah. What other thoughts did you have to add to this, Dave? Given how this type of relationship is definitely present, especially in the American church, but it's not prevalent, I would say mm-hmm. per capita... For, for when you look at all the people in the American church, this is around, but it's not very, there's a small percentage where I'd say it's around. So if you want to help someone, don't feel like you even have to use the word disciple when you sit down with them. I mean, there's really nothing holy about that word. It's a word that the Bible translators chose to use when they were translating the Bible. Actually, discipler is not a word. We've kind of taken that and make it in, we've made it an action verb. You know, like you say, don't don't let the the paradigm or the the verbiage, what we call it, get in the way or kind of freak the person out. Just find someone and say, hey, it's come to my attention lately that Jesus said that if I really want to follow him, this is a part of my life. This is why I'm seeking out someone to help. This is what I would have uh, to give. You know, would you like to get together? And, you know, as you're meeting with people, encourage, cast the vision for them. Maybe someone catches mm-hmm. the vision from you, but they don't want to be discipled by you. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe you plant the vision in their head and they go to their senior pastor that they really admire or a Sunday school teacher and they ask, 
So if, if nothing else, even if we don't end up being the person who helps someone, we can still cast a vision and remind them that this isn't about me. This isn't about me trying to feel good or boost my resume. This is about me trying to obey and follow Jesus. And if nothing else, if nothing else, join me on this journey of trying to find someone who will accept the things that we've been entrusted with. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's not about us. It's, it's about mm-hmm. following Christ, letting him live incarnationally through us and see other people helped and for us to grow ourselves as we give more of ourselves away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really true. Well, we appreciate you guys joining us today. If you have other questions or specific topics about discipleship, things that you would like to know or like us to cover, be sure and let us know. You can find us at luke5.com. You can send an email to podcast at luke5.com or james at luke5.com. Dave doesn't like to do lots of emails, so you can't send him an email. But you can ask me and I'll ask him. That's true. Until next time, we'll see you. See ya. See ya.